Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. There's nothing better than being in the presence of the Lord. I think we're going to find out more about that in the days to come as we experience more of His presence. As I don't think we're really, really convinced that it's better than anything else. Or we would be in it more. Right? Uh, And we all know the right answers on a multiple choice test. Right? (laughs) If you want to bear fruit, you A, abide in Jesus. B, come up with my own best idea. Uh, (laughs) Why do we still choose B sometimes? (laughs) We're weak human beings who are prideful in our own thinking and wisdom and understanding, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> and we think wrong, yeah. We, we need to have our, our understanding and our thinking raised to a higher level. So, the, the Lord has been uh, speaking to me, dealing with me, in the area of abiding. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about that in the last couple weeks. And so we we have the intellectual understanding, at least, that there is no fruitfulness apart from abiding in Christ. I mean, Jesus laid it out as as clearly as it could be laid out in John 15, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's about as clear a statement as could be made. And then he says, if, if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. We, we all would desire to bear fruit But still, we try a lot of things apart from him (laughs) that we know will result in no fruit. If we really thought correctly, we we would have that understanding. So, what I felt led to do tonight is uh, 
give us some practical steps to abiding in Christ. As Paul in, in Ephesians 5, he, he laid out pretty clearly uh, the way to get anointed, the, the way to draw near to God and have God draw near to us, the, the way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so I, I want to spend a little bit of time on this tonight. And, and I'm going to use the illustration that is used a few times in, in the Word of God uh, to uh, liken our life to a garden. Uh, there are a number of places where the Word does that, Song of Solomon, uh, among others. So, what the way I want us to approach this tonight is with the understanding that as as people who are born of the Spirit, born again people, we we have the the seed of God within us, the seed of his life, the Holy Spirit within us. We're, we're called to be stewards on the earth. That's, that's what Adam and Eve were created to be, is to be stewards of creation. And, and that call upon mankind has not changed. But for, for us, living in, in the church age that, that we're living in, uh, we have the opportunity to be born again and have that seed within us. So what is the most important thing that we steward or take care of on the, in our, our lifetime? It, it is that. Uh, it, it's, it's the seed of the life of God within us and how we steward that is, is going to determine a lot of the outcome of our life. Because, you know, what, what would happen to a, a natural baby that was born that, that was just left on the sidewalk somewhere and the mother or father didn't, didn't do anything? It would not live long. It'd be a horrible travesty. Uh, well, it seems that a lot of Christians, a lot of born-again people, have, have the idea that, okay, I have the life of God within me. Now it's automatically going to come to maturity and, and, and I will be an anointed deliverer of people. That does not happen. Uh, ma maturity is, is not automatic. Uh, becoming anointed is, is not automatic. And 
the world that we live in, we, we need some anointed people who are moving toward fullness in God and fruitfulness in God. And Paul in Ephesians 5, he, he gives us some really important keys to that happening. So that's, that's what I want to look at tonight. So we'll start out uh, by looking at Ephesians 5, 14 through 21. And this is, this is going to be, the, this text is going to be our, our focus, even though I'm going to bring in a lot of other passages to uh, further illustrate some of the things that Paul is saying. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, the indispensable condition for us to abide or to be anointed is to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That, that is to be anointed, to be influenced by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That, that's what it is to be anointed. And what Paul is saying here is, it doesn't matter even if you're asleep, <laughs> even if it is as though you were dead, do this, and Christ will shine on you. That, that is to be anointed, to have Christ shining on us. Yes. That's, that's the life of God <laughs> being poured out onto you and me, is, is to have Christ shining on us. And, and that is what we need even if it may not be what we want, if, if we're wise and not foolish, it's, it's what we want. And Paul, like I said, he, he gives us the keys here. So when I talk about the seed of God being within us, I'm, I'm referring to 1 John 3, and we'll, we'll look at verses 9 and 10, because this is where John really spells it out. 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who the children of who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, John makes some really strong statements in, in that, that that need some balancing, but he's, he's making a point here. There's, there's something that, that we have when we have the seed of God within us. We, we have the seed of an indestructible life within us if we're born again. If we have the seed of God, we, we have the seed of an indestructible life. And this, the whole basis of the new covenant is that this, the seed of this indestructible life, it is more powerful than anything else in your life or my life. It's, it's more powerful than addictions. It's more powerful than greed or lust or any, any sin that might be in our life. And, and if, if we will tend and steward the seed of the life of God that is within us, it will overcome everything that is opposed to it in our lives. The, the only thing that can stop it is the human will. That, that is the only thing. Because this is what uh, the writer of Hebrews, and I believe that was Paul, said in Hebrews 7, 15 and 16, he's, he's talking about Jesus, but he's, he's talking about this indestructible, the power of this indestructible life. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of of an indestructible life. Yeah. Now, we need to grab on to the truth of the life that is within us. It, it is this indestructible life. It is the power of this indestructible life by which we become kings and priests. It's, it's the power of the indestructible life of Jesus that made him a priest in the order of Melchizedek, not on the basis of Aaronic lineage. And so, for us, there, there are great possibilities if if we will steward 
the life of God, the indestructible power of the life of God that is within us. And, and that's, that's why I, I liken, and, and the Word of God does too, our, our life to a garden. Have, have you ever been to a, a huge flower garden that was just immaculately kept and just the, the more you walk, the more beauty you encounter and there's just colors and flowers and trees and just, uh, it, it almost takes your breath away. Well, that does not happen without great purpose and great effort on, on the part of somebody. Uh, I mean, believing in evolution would be akin to that happening just by chance. Uh, uh, you know, uh, acres and acres of beautiful flower garden just showing up. Uh, when the snow melts one spring. That, that's what that would be like. So, a garden that is not tended doesn't look like that. Um, Joy isn't here, so I can talk a little bit about her garden. You'll probably tell her. <laughs> But it's as much my fault as it is hers. We, we've been really busy this year. Uh, so half of her garden is dill plants that are about this tall. And I don't know what is supposed to be there. There, there are some things that are supposed to be there, and they are there underneath the dill plants somewhere. But the dill plants are not supposed to be there. Uh, so we got one pumpkin this year, and it was about this big, somewhere under the dill plants. There, there are no zucchini. I think they were supposed to be under the dill plants somewhere. But the thing is, uh, this is what Paul is, is saying when he says, back in Ephesians 5, he, he says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And, and that reminds me, that last statement, it reminds me of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because that's another place in the New Testament where we're told to understand what the will of the Lord is. And that happens, we, we gain understanding of what the will of the Lord is as we become a living sacrifice. 
And, and that is what Paul is saying, be wise, do not be unwise. Because our, we need an overriding purpose in our life. And o- over the years that, that I have been in Christian ministry, it's, it's been, man, almost 30 years since I was first licensed to preach. Uh, it, it seems that most of the Christians that I have met, their overriding purpose in life was to be happy. And I don't know how many times I've heard these words come out of someone's mouth. Well, God would not want me to be unhappy. (laughs) I I got a news flash for you. Uh, My happiness and your happiness are not very high on God's list of priorities. In fact, they're, they're really low down there somewhere. Because he, he is bringing situations into your life and my life that will confront us with what our priority should be. So that, so that we have to make a choice. Uh, am, am I going to seek happiness? Or am I going to steward the life of God that's within me and let it grow, let that indestructible life that I have a seed of in me become something that actually affects all the people that I come in contact with, because that is possible. We, we see that in the book of Acts. We see it continually in the book of Acts. And we, we, even today, we, we see certain people who are so anointed of God, they, they have stewarded that indestructible life that is within them to the point that there is an anointing upon them and a power that is within them that changes things wherever they go. And, and, and this, this is what God intended for us, okay? <laughs> he, he didn't intend for us to live for low uh, <laughs> goals, <laughs> Goal, goals that will take us nowhere. Because the thing, the thing about it is, if, if we live to be happy, or if we live to be secure, or if we live to be comfortable, we will never have those things. If, if being happy is our goal and that's what we want, we will never be happy. 
if, if it's comfort we want or security that we want and we go after it, we will never have it. Because the author of the human heart, who, who knows my heart and your heart better than anyone else because he, he designed it, he said that, that if you try to keep your life you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for me and for my sake, then you will find it. So if, if, if we will live with a goal that is high enough and consistent with being a living sacrifice... <laughs> Losing our life, which is losing control of our life. Giving that control to someone else who is higher and smarter and actually wants the best for us more than we do because we don't know what the best for us is. Then we will have much more happiness. We will have security because we will be resting in, in the knowledge that, that what we're doing has his seal of approval. Because if, if you want peace, that's the only way to have it. That you know what you're doing is what God wants you to be doing. Then you have peace. You, you have security. Yeah. So this, this is what Paul is, is getting at here. So how, how do we practically get there? He, he goes on uh, with, with some different things, and, and I'm going to come back to that. But first I want to just say some practical things. Uh, as, as we change our mind and we agree with him, which means we repent for having been in agreement with the enemy, and we change our thinking and we now agree with God, he begins to change our heart. And as, as we change our schedule, he changes our heart. We, we change our schedule so that we have that time with him. That, that time in his presence. Because that's what we need. Now, I want to get back to the garden analogy for, for a little bit. When, when we plant a seed in, in the garden... What, what does the seed need to make it? Needs water? What else? Needs light? Yeah, sometimes fertilizer. <laughs> if you're a gardener here, <laughs> yeah, that helps. If, if you're 100 miles east or so, it probably isn't as critical. <laughs> um, 
What about the seed of God, the seed of the life of God that's within us? What, what does it need? Well, it needs water. And just a little later on in this passage in Ephesians 5, Paul gives us this idea in Ephesians 5:25 through 27. This is after our key passage where he's giving some specific instruction in, in relationships. And he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. So what's the water to the seed of the life of God within us? It is washing with water with the word. It, that will feed the life of God that's, that's within us as water does a natural seed. And just look at what Paul said it would do. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And, you know, you, you can tell me that reading the Bible is boring and it makes you fall asleep and you, you can tell me a lot of things. And, and I, I will not tell you that those things are untrue. I will tell you that you're in a process because... We, we have to press in to the things of God and we have to press through those times where it seems like it's not really doing anything. But it is doing something. It is doing exactly what Paul wrote that it does for the church, even if you're not noticing it. If, if you just plant some seeds in the garden in Cheyenne and, and you water them for a week, how are they going to do? Those seeds are, are still going to be sitting in the ground ungerminated next spring, waiting for you to water them some more <laughs> so they can hopefully germinate this year. That's kind of like the pressing through in prayer and in encountering the Lord in the Word. You, you got to keep at it for a time so that you can begin to have those anointed times. 
Because if, if, you, if you keep at it, those anointed times will come. It's, it's the wisdom of God. It's, it's the waiting on God that he, he requires of us so many times. He, he's got to test our resolve. Do, do, do they really want to encounter me? If they do, they're going to keep at it. We, we've got to have the resolve that, that we're going to press through the time of it seeming like prayer and being in the Word is, is not really doing anything. But trust me, it is doing something. And you will break in to those anointed times when you absolutely know that it's doing some good. And, you know, just speaking about prayer for uh, a minute, uh, how long does it take us to, to quiet our, our soul so that our spirit can be engaged in prayer? You know, that, that doesn't happen in five minutes for me. I don't know about you, but our our culture is is all geared toward revving up the soul, and and so for for us to actually get to a place where our our soul is quieted to the place where our spirit can engage in prayer and and even in the Word, it takes a little while, and. And we need to be wise and, and make that commitment to, to get there. Okay, uh, next item, the, the light. And, and this really struck me this week, this passage from Psalm 37 about the light of God. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. So there's more water in the presence of God, but there's more. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light? So, again, stewarding that indes- the seed of that indestructible life that is within us, if, if we can get in the presence of the Lord, we, we get water and light. <laughs> and and it's it's gonna it's gonna feed that indestructible life, and it's it's like I said, the more we feed that indestructible life, it it is gonna overcome whatever else is in the way in our life until we say no. 
or until we stop feeding that life. So, back to Ephesians 5, our, our key passage. I want to um, develop some of these thoughts a little more verse by verse. Ephesians 5, starting in, in verse 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So as I said, that's, it doesn't matter how, what kind of condition you're in now. Paul's about to tell us how to have Christ shine on us. Be careful how you live, is how another translation translates, look carefully then how you walk. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now this reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, where we have three key end time parables and the one about the ten virgins is, is the one that speaks of the wise versus the unwise. And, and these are born-again people. Five are wise, five are unwise or foolish. The five wise ones keep lamp or they keep oil for their lamp. They all have lamps, so they're all born again. They all have that seed of indestructible life. But five of them are living wisely and they have their lamps filled with oil because they're washing with the water of the word. They're being in the presence of the Lord and feasting on the river of his delights. And in his light, they are finding the light yeah. The unwise are not doing that. And and if you think about this, the second parable that that is about the talents I think Jesus is talking about the seed of this indestructible life. Because when he ends that parable, he talks about how, how those who have, and what he's really saying, those, those who have stewarded well what they've been given. Well, what have we all been given? The seed of an indestructible life. And, and some have been faithful with that seed. They, they have stewarded well that seed. And it, it has grown into something. But one buried it. That was foolish. It was as if they suffocated 
the seed of that indestructible life. And you remember the, the thing that Jesus said at the end of that parable. Those who have not, and I, I think we can read that, those who have not stewarded well that life that they were given, it is taken from them and given to someone who has stewarded well. We, I bet just about every one of us in here could name somebody who you think that might have happened to. Now, I'm not saying that they have lost eternal life, but where did Jesus say they were going to end up? In outer darkness. That's a different place, remember, than the place of eternal punishment. And Jesus said in that parable in Matthew 25, the second parable, the one about the talents, he said they would go to outer darkness to the place where the hypocrites go. And so I really think this is a, a clear application of that parable. That Paul is, is saying, be wise, be careful how you walk. Don't be foolish, don't be unwise, be wise. This, this is important stuff. And make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Because the natural tendency, if, if we are passive in, in our day, is evil is, is going to find its way into our lives. If we're just passive, it's, it's going to get there. If, if we're not stewarding the seed of that indestructible life and letting it grow into something more powerful and letting it overcome those, those things that need to go in our lives, then it's going to go the other way. And, and that's what Paul is saying right here. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And, and his will is that we grow to maturity, that we abide in Christ, that we bear much fruit, that, that we love God, that we love people. And, and he works through us, he shines his light upon us, he anoints us, and Things change where we go because, because we're living from the throne, for the throne, empowered by the throne. And that's going to do something. Okay. <laughs> 
Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is indulgence, but be filled with the Spirit. So, Paul is saying more here than for us not to drink too much alcohol. Okay? <laughs> you get that? <laughs> okay. Because wine represents something. Wine represents the world. It represents the influence of the world. So, while Paul is stating the obvious literal thing that he's the point that he's making here for us not to drink too much alcohol and get drunk he he is saying don't be influenced by the world because if if we drink too much alcohol then it influences us that's why it's called being under the influence right <laughs> hello so he finishes the statement be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how he finishes the sentence. So, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Don't be under the influence of the world. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So in these next three verses, he's giving us some clear positive things to do. And these are like, um, well, at least, at least the next two, uh, not this one so much, are, are like pulling weeds out of your garden. So we're, we're going to develop that with, with the next one. But what he's saying here is there's something about our need for fellowship and communion with God's people. And we need to take the opportunity that when we're interacting, when we're relating with other members of the body of Christ, we, we need to take the opportunity to let the Holy Spirit come in and relate according to the Spirit, as, as Paul says elsewhere in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. That we used to regard everyone according to the flesh or just in, in the natural, but now we no longer do. We, we relate according to the Spirit. Because we, we know when we relate to one another uh, when the Holy Spirit is in the middle of it. Because there, there's an energizing that happens. That's, that's happened a few times lately, right? With you and I, Chris. Yeah, you, you can just feel it happening. Uh, and there's an encouraging and empowering that happens when, when we're, we're speaking of the things of God and the Holy Spirit is in the middle of it and God's doing something. And, and that's, it. that's the way it's meant to be. 
And, and it can be that way practically every time we relate. But then there's, there's something else at the end of this. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Do you, do you feel a little uncomfortable telling the Lord that you love him? Good, good. <laughs> I see some people shaking their head no. That's, that's good. Because we, what Paul is saying here is don't let your relationship with the Lord be like the husband who's talking to his wife of 30 years and she's crying because he never says, I love you. And he says, well, I told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Right? <laughs> Paul is saying that's not a good way to relate to the Lord. If, I mean, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it does something within our heart every time we tell the Father, we tell Jesus, we tell the Holy Spirit, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I love you, Holy Spirit. Help me to love you more. Enable me, empower me to love you more. And, and when, when we're in God's presence and, you know, we're, we're just having some great communion with, with God and, and it feels like he's, he's starting to pull away, uh, that's the time you want to make melody in your heart to the Lord. You want to sing to the Lord. You want to tell the Lord that you love him and he won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> so you can make that time last if you engage more. And then you get more river of delight, you get more light. And that seed just gets more nourishment. Okay, on to the harder ones. Okay, because that was the easy one. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of those commands that you, you have, you probably think, well, he doesn't really mean what he's actually saying here. Because there are some things that you can't really give thanks for, honestly, right? And it, it reminds me of another passage that says, and rejoice in all things. And, and God doesn't want us to be fake, okay? He doesn't. He, he doesn't want us to pretend. He doesn't want us to be fake. He's, he's inviting us into something else. Because 
I mean, there, there are situations in our relationships, in our families, in our work, in church, in, you know, everywhere, where it's hard to give thanks and it's hard to rejoice because something's just not right. And so how do we abide by this command uh, in those situations? I think we need to look at it as God's invitation for us to bring him into the situation. You see, complaining is not allowed. If, if we want to maintain the anointing, if, if we want to maintain Christ shining on us, we can't complain. We can't criticize. Even in the security of our own home to our own spouse or close friend, whatever, it's not allowed. And, and so how do we not do that? We, we understand that God is, is the God of justice. And when something is not right, it's a bigger deal to him than it is to you. And he's waiting to be invited into that situation. So I, I just felt the Lord say something to me right now. I think just about everybody has a situation in their mind right now <laughs> where there's injustice and you can't give thanks and you can't rejoice because it's just wrong. So invite God into that situation right now. You, you don't have to pray it out loud, but you can. Just, just pray it to him. God of justice, we, we invite you into every one of these situations to bring light to what's wrong and make what's wrong right according to your goodness and your mercy and your justice so that we can give thanks. And we give thanks because you care and you're powerful and you can do something about it. And you're now released to do something about it. See, now that was being real. That's giving thanks for something that's not right because God is now involved. And that, that I think, is, is the key to making this happen and keeping the light of Christ shining upon us. So we don't have to criticize and we don't have to complain. Now, the last one, I've heard uh, somebody say this is the one that separates the men from the boys. <laughs> Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Submitting when we're in agreement is easy, right? <laughs> Submitting when we're not in agreement is more difficult. And submitting to what we know is wrong is really hard. Okay. So, <laughs> it's the same kind of situation because the key here is we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're doing it as unto him. We're not just doing it. <laughs> and again, because we, we can do it for real when we know it's for him. Because sometimes submitting to, honoring people who don't deserve honor, you know, maybe they really don't. But we can do it when it's unto Christ. And again, we can invite the Lord of justice, the supreme authority, <laughs> into the situation to do something on our behalf. And that enables us to submit as unto him. Okay. So the last couple things, I'm, I'm almost done, uh, relate to the weeding of the garden. Both of those last two. Because uh, complaining and criticizing, those, those are weeds in the garden or little foxes that come in the garden and spoil the growth of the unquenchable life that's within us that we want to grow. So we we don't want we don't want those weeds to come up and choke off the anointing, choke off the light of Christ shining upon us. And there's a couple passages in the New Testament that talk about quenching the Holy Spirit, or grieving the Holy Spirit. First one is 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. And this was a verse I alluded to earlier. Rejoice always. <laughs> and now we know how to do that. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now we know how to do that. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. To quench is to extinguish. Like a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Puts the fire out. And we, we do not want to quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. We want, we want that fire 
to be fanned. <laughs> we don't want it to be extinguished. So again, Paul is saying many of the exact same things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, don't do the opposite. So I, I have to uh, tell you a, a little personal story here, okay? Uh, that when, when I drive, it used to be, even fairly recently, that, that I would be pretty critical of a lot of other drivers. <laughs> yeah, John, he, me. And the Lord convicted me of this, that, that it was costing me something that that my own impatience which happens to not be a fruit of the spirit there's there's a, a different form of the word that is a fruit of the spirit but it's not impatience <laughs> so my impatience spurred on by my pride led me to be critical uh, and cause the light of Christ to stop shining on me when I would do that. Because he, he pointed out to me how when I would start to do that, then I would get angry and it would get worse because the Holy Spirit was <laughs> going bye-bye and letting me have my own little criticism, impatience, pride party. And, and so I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I, I repented and I am seeking to drive in, in the peace of the Lord. Even if I have a slow driver in front of me or, or one who might not be completely skilled. <laughs> So the reason that I share that is that's what it looks like to start pulling weeds out of your garden. You, you let the Lord show you something and then you, you don't make excuses. You, you don't blame other people like those lousy drivers who were in front of me and should have stayed home that day. You, you agree with the Lord 
and let the power of that indestructible life overcome that thing that the Lord just shined his light on. I have more fun driving now. <laughs> I'm at more peace. <laughs> and and I, I think this is, it, it's just one example. Um, you know, what, what makes you angry? Uh, what is the root of that, do you think? Um, will you let the Lord remove that weed from your garden? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> see, all these things impact our intimacy with God. The, the weeds in our garden cause, cause it to be difficult for us to draw near to the Lord. So we, we need to allow him to weed our garden and remove the, the little foxes that come into our garden. Because I'll, I'll tell you, the, the more we do that, the easier it is to, to drink from the river of his delights. And, and to find the light of his light. And, and to even feel it <laughs> shining on you. Because that's, I mean, that, that's what we want. We, we want to know we're in the presence of God and, and that he's doing something while we're there. Okay. Uh, I'll close with this last passage that's out of Ephesians 4, the one about grieving the Holy Spirit, and this is primarily about relationships. And if, if you go on from, from that key passage that, that we were focusing on today from Ephesians 5, what, what Paul begins to really go into after that is how to have right relationships. Because having uh, things that are between us and other people, that's, it's another weed in the garden uh, that, that just makes it difficult for us. So here, here we go. Ephesians 4, starting in 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin, or if you be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So, I mean, he's, he's got a whole list of weeds <laughs> in, in this passage, of things that, that can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. So, so there's, there's the pursuit of the good things, to feed and water the seed of the indestructible life that's within us. But then there's also the removal of, of the hindrances that has to happen. And, and we need both. We, we need the, the watering and the feeding, and we need, we need the, the weeding <laughs> and the fencing out of the foxes. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wisdom of your word. And Lord, we, uh, we're so grateful for the seed of indestructible life that you have placed within us. And I, I pray, Father, that you would give us hearts to be wise and not foolish in our stewardship of that life. Uh, that you would bring us to fullness, that you would bring forth the nature of Christ within us, uh, that you would reveal weeds in our gardens that need to be removed, and that the power of that indestructible life would overcome those things that we would just come more and more into agreement with you and that the light of Christ would shine on us more and more and we would just learn to love walking in your anointing and your presence and, and we would value being in your presence, that we would value abiding in you, that we would seek to be fruitful in the way that you say that it happens. So Lord, we, we need wisdom and we ask you for it because you said you would give it to those who ask. Lord, bless us this week. Nourish that indestructible life that's in us that we could make a difference wherever we go, for the glory of your Son. Amen.